Hello everyone, this is Rico, and this is Treks in Sci-Fi. Big show number 25 this week, everyone. We won't be doing a lot on Star Trek this week, but we are going to be talking about another huge, huge sci-fi property, Star Wars, the first film, A New Hope. That's coming up right now on Treks in Sci-Fi, so stay tuned. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Treks in Sci-Fi... I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but a learner. Use the Force, Luke. Welcome back, everyone, to the show. Again, this is Rico, your host for Treks and Sci-Fi. For anyone not familiar with the podcast, if this is your first time here, welcome. And welcome to any new uh, fans uh, who have downloaded this show uh, off of iTunes or Podcast Alley, Odeo. There's about a million different uh, podcast uh, groups and directories out there that list podcasts these days, so... However you found the show, if you found it from another podcast that maybe played my promo, welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about, like I said in the intro, Star Wars, the first film primarily. Oh, before I get any further, this is show number 25. It is February the 12th, 2006. Yeah, it's already almost the middle of February. February always seems to go by kind of quickly because it's a, a slightly shorter month. January always seems so long being wintertime and and that but uh so we're into the middle of february already this is a podcast again number 25 we're up to a couple things i wanted to announce uh probably for the next few weeks i am going to try my best to put out a sort of midweek mini cast i've said this before a couple of times but i am uh what I'm finding, I think, a little bit is there's there's more things that I, I have or there's more things to say than I really want to fit into the week uh, the weekend show. Part of that is I, I'd like to keep the show not much longer than an hour. Even an hour is a little bit longer. I've talked off and on about this in previous shows, but I'm going to try a midweek uh, little catch-up podcast where I might be mentioning some emails more. Might be just talking about some general sci-fi news that uh, has come across my desk and that kind of thing. So, but it may be other things. Just try to uh, look for that. Maybe I'm shooting for Wednesdays. I think for, to put out a little cast that that um, on that time frame and then the normal weekend ones. So keep an eye out for that. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. TSFPN.com. There is one announcement or a couple of things I wanted to mention, uh, things that I've discovered this week. One is there was a magazine called the Star Trek Communicator that ceased publication several months ago, You know, primarily when Star Trek Enterprise went off the air. I don't think they, they either didn't feel like they had enough readership to continue to produce the magazine. But for, for whatever reason, that, that magazine's gone now. But there's a British publication, I think it's also just called you know, Star Trek the Magazine, that is doing a special uh, six-issue set this year. I think it comes out every other month on Star Trek because 2006 is the 40th anniversary of Star Trek, and they're doing sort of a six-issue uh, commemorative set uh, every other month to uh, focus on Star Trek, primarily, I guess, the original series, maybe some of the other ones, I'm not sure yet. The first issue looks like it primarily is dealing with the original series. Captain Kirk uh, from the original series is on the cover of the magazine. That is That issue is out now, and you can find it. I found that those, they produce several magazines, this company. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name. I've, I've, I'll link it uh, up in the podcast notes for this week. They produce a Stargate magazine, Battlestar Galactica magazine, and they're doing the Star Trek one. And it is available in in finer bookstores in your neighborhood. Things like Borders, I've seen it on the newsstands there. You can subscribe to it and get it over the internet. Uh, like I said, I'll link them up on the on the podcast notes section. 
but it's a little more expensive that way. I think if you can find it in a local bookstore, it, it, it ends up being a little bit cheaper. So we'll keep an eye out uh, for that magazine. The ones that I've picked up before uh, for the various sci-fi properties, Stargate, Battlestar, and that, they, they're really well done. They do a Smallville one, I believe, also. They produce some some nice magazines for some of these shows that, that they don't seem to produce magazines for in the United States, which which is always kind of surprising to me, you know, these, these British... Uh, produce magazines for primarily uh, American, you know, shows that are produced and made in the in the States. Well, Galactica and Stargates, I think, film up in, in Canada, but, you know, North American-type properties. So keep an eye out for, uh, for that. It looks like it uh, would be a good read. Hi, this is Len from Jawbone Radio, and whenever I need the latest Star Trek or sci-fi news, I listen to my friend Rick on the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. Hey, do you think he's going to be talking about Wookiees? Because I love Wookiees. I did get a few emails this week. Not a, not a lot. This seemed to be a little bit of a slower week. I'm not going to read any specifically. I've responded to those um, through the uh, treksf at gmail.com account. I do appreciate all the listeners and the emails, and I'm always welcome for uh, comments on the show, things you might like me to talk about in the sci-fi areas or Trek episodes you'd like me to look at, movies, things like that. I am going to do another movie show sometime in the, in the well, not too distant future where I'll pick three or four different sci-fi movies uh, that I'll, I'll kind of go over and talk about things that I like. Um, oh, along the movie front, I did finally see, I saw the Doom movie, which is, I don't know if you really call it sci-fi, it's a video game into a movie, and just wanted to mention that I, I thought it actually wasn't that, that bad of a movie. I, I see a lot of films, a lot of movies, I use Netflix and that kind of thing. But this movie, I'm not really sure why it got kind of the hated uh, press that it did. I mean, I understand movie critics. I could see them not really liking it. For people that are into, you know, the alien-type films, uh, video game-type things like Resident Evil property, uh, the Doom, of course, games and that, I, I didn't really think that it was that, that bad of a movie. I mean, there was enough action in there. They did sort of change the storyline along or around, I should say, for, from the Doom game itself. This was more of a genetic experiment gone crazy, rather than the... In, in Doom, I, I think, if I remember correctly, it's it's more of a sort of a, a rip, and I may be getting this wrong because the story was never... I just played it to get, you know, kill zombies and kill creatures that were running around or whatever, but basically I always got the impression with the Doom game, at least, it was more of uh, these evil demon-type things... Getting uh, making their way on, into our uh, dimension or whatever you want to call it, but not really just genetics gone crazy and creating these superhuman uh, evil creature things. So, you know, again, the plot, not a big point on the movie. Uh, I thought The Rock did a pretty good job. The other guys in it were kind of throwaway. The, the one guy in it, the other main guy w- who played the character of Reaper in the movie, he was in the Lord of the Rings films. I think his the actor's name is Keith Urban. I'm not sure if I'm. That's probably how you pronounce it. It's spelled that way. I thought they did a de- he did a decent job, and, and there are a few surprises in the film. So I mean, I certainly wouldn't give it you know, you know, it's it's up there Oscar material type of, of a movie, but it, it was a fun time. I thought it was a little longer, maybe. I mean, I watched the extended unrated version. I never saw the original version of it, so I'm not sure how much they changed or added to it. That may have made the length go up. I mean, it was close to two hours. And for a film like that, I thought that that maybe was a little bit long. Uh, I'm not sure if they added, like I said, a, a huge amount of time to the film when they when they made this unrated uh, extended version of it. So, But that's about it. If you're into that kind of thing, I, you know, it might be worth a rental for you. Uh, again, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's the greatest film, of course, of all time. But I have seen quite a bit worse at, at the theater or on, on a rental. So... So that's the Doom movie, at least what I thought about it. I think that's about it for announcements and and reviews. Uh, Galactica and the Sci-Fi Friday shows are still enjoyable. I've been keeping up, of course, with those. Uh, If anybody uh, would like to write in and, you know, send an audio comment about what they're watching in in either TV, movies, reading even. I don't talk generally too much about sci-fi books. I, I, I usually read one every few months and just don't really have the time to, I don't think, throw a lot of reviews of books. There are other good, um, the Dragon Page, for example, does a really good show on sci-fi books, which um, I think is is well worth listening to if you're into uh, sci-fi or 
novels and, and short stories and things. They have author reviews or author uh, interviews, and they review a lot of material there. That's uh, I think it's at thedragonpage.com. So check that out if you're into that. Um, but that's about it for this announcement and general talk session. Again, if you'd like to send audio to the show, you can send it through the email, the treksf at gmail.com, or just an audio comment at 20688trex with an S at the end of it. And that's about it. Now I think we're going to get into the the main topic for this week. Try not to spend a lot of time on, on the preliminaries and get right into Star Wars. And to start off, to get us in the mood, I thought I would play one of the earliest um, previews. This was probably showing up, oh, maybe, I'd say six months. Well, maybe not quite six months, but, the, you know, the movie came out uh, in May of 1977. May 25th, I believe, of 1977. So this, I, I'm sure this this little preview was showing up early in 1977. I, I don't have a clear date on exactly when it started to show up on television or at the movies. You know, these trailers, of course, would run on TV and, and at, in the movie theaters. So, so listen to this. The audio is, um, you know, with the Star Wars movies and in some of these previews, there are, of course, a lot of visual effects and ships and things flying around. So, But there's some audio commentary of the typical uh, movie guy talking in the background of this. So you'll get the idea. And a lot of you uh, have probably seen some of these things before. So, But I thought I'd still play it anyway and get us in the mood for talking about Star Wars Episode Four. Here we go. Somewhere in space, this may all be happening right now. <laughs> 20th Century Fox and George Lucas, the man who brought you American graffiti, now bring you an adventure unlike anything on your planet. Star Wars. Here they come. Coming in too fast! The story of a boy, a girl, and a universe. big, sprawling space saga of rebellion and romance. It's a spectacle, light years ahead of its time. I am C-3PO, human-cyborg relations, and this is my counterpart, R2-D2. Hello. It's an epic of heroes. and aliens from a thousand worlds. Okay, there we go. One of the, uh, if not the earliest, trailers for the original Star Wars movie. Now, as a lot of people know, I'll just give, give you a little, few little tidbits here. A lot, of, a lot of people may know some of these things. Star Wars, when it first came out in 1977, was not subtitled Episode Four: A New Hope. It was just Star Wars. There was no subtitle. There was no hint of any kind of series of films to this. But but obviously, due to the, the huge popularity of the movie, we, we of course now know this was George Lucas's just one of the storylines and films that he wanted to make along the lines of the Star Wars universe. Now, I'm not, you know, Star Wars has been analyzed so much in the past, well, it's almost 30 years now, that I'm of course not going to, you know, probably bring a whole lot new to people listening to this show or things that you may not have known or heard before. But I, what I wanted to do, my, my idea for this podcast on Star Wars was a couple of things. One, I, I obviously a, a big fan of the show, or the show, excuse me, a big fan of the movies, the whole series of films, Star Wars, the first one, of course, being out when it did. 
And I just wanted to give a little perspective on, on my view of it and talk about, you know, I have a few audio comments, a couple audio comments from some listeners that I'm going to play here shortly. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about maybe what made it become as popular as, it, as it's been able to uh, become over the years. The first thing that, that, you know, always came to mind for me when I think about the original Star Wars film, I was, um, I was in high school at the time, and this movie, I had always been a, you know, well, not, I shouldn't say always, but I, I had been, of course, a Star Trek fan, you know, Star Trek and sci-fi, fantasy-type things fan in general. But primarily, at that time, in 1977, most of that stuff was on, you know, the small screen, was on television. There were a few films that came out. 2001, you know, comes to mind. The Planet of the Apes, Planet of the Apes movies. Um, But not really, there was not really a big sci-fi, you know, there were sci-fi films a lot in the 50s. Now, a lot of those were the, you know, the monster films and the concern about nuclear weapons and what that would, you know, make giant ants and spiders roaming around the deserts of Nevada or whatever. But, you know, there was not really the kind of uh, film Star Wars was, I'd say, I'd probably say, except for maybe the Flash Gordon serials. And those had been, you know, that was 40 years in the past. And people, you know, some people, some older people had seen those and they'd show up on reruns on television and that. But the the current generation of of young people i should say and young adults and children they they never really had seen anything like star wars before either at the movies or or on television and i think that that is one key thing that that made it as popular as, as it became it was really out of left field in a way now the story that um really goes and a lot of again people have heard this before is that george lucas wanted to make this film. He actually had been working on the storyline and the script for this for years, even um, around the time he was working on American Graffiti, I believe. And he'd never really been able to get the money and get a studio interested in doing Star Wars. He had a, a real hard time selling it because, of course, that wasn't the kind of movie that was being done. You know, you had the 70s. Vietnam had just ended. People were not really... Um, the, the kind of films that were out then, you know, you had movies like uh, The Deer Hunter, Coming Home, people dealing with the, the end of the war, people dealing with the, the tragedies there, what what the uh, soldiers were feeling when they came back. You had Watergate and, and the President, uh, President Nixon situation. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, there was a gas crisis in, in the 70s. There, there were a lot of really... Not very pleasant things, I guess, is, is the way to put it, going on in the world and in the country, in the United States at the time. And so, you know, George Lucas plops down, and, you know, these scripts and talks to these studios about this sort of space opera fantasy Flash Gordon kind of thing with uh, kind of a hopeful take uh, in a way. And, uh, you know, good versus evil is in there. There are very traditional myths that he brings out in the films, uh, the father-son situation, just just a lot of very mythical, solid, strong uh, fantasy elements that have been told over the years in different stories that he brought into this space opera, which is, which is the way I look at it, a space fantasy, space opera. It's not really truly science fiction. But the studios that he talked to, they just didn't really know what to make of this. First, that it wasn't like what the kind of movies they were putting out, so that was a hard sell. But eventually he got uh, someone at 20th Century Fox, and, and uh, the, the name of the guy that originally greenlighted the, the project is escaping me. He'd been there for a little while, I believe, one of the, one of the executives at, at 20th Century that, that okayed the, the movie. He just, he just felt it was time that, that something like this w- was made, and, and obviously they were dead on, and they were dead right, because when Star Wars came out in the summer of 1977... Like I said earlier, I was in high school. It just exploded. I mean, it it was the biggest movie of all time, period. I mean, it, it went on to, to play throughout the summer, throughout the fall. They re-released it the next year, and it just went on and on and on. And the whole culture of the country of the United States and the world just, just loved it, just absorbed it. And, I mean, you know, of course, there are people out there I know that are not big Star Wars fans that never really get caught up into that wave of excitement at that time. And I know 
the the interesting thing I find these days is that you know when even people now that are seeing it for the first time and didn't grow up in that era, you know there are still people that really really get into it and really love it. For myself, it, it's a little different situation. You know, I grew up in the time when it first came out. I was old enough to go to the movie theaters many many times that summer and see the movie. I can even remember. Uh, going to uh, a drive-in theater, which there's not a whole lot of drive-in movie theaters anymore, but I can even remember going to a drive-in theater when it came out and bringing a little audio cassette recorder. And, you know, you it, if you're familiar with drive-in movie theaters, which there are, I know a lot of people that have probably listening even to this podcast that have never gone to one, but they give you these tinny little, very poor quality sounding speakers that you hang inside your car to listen to the audio for the movie. And uh, I believe my brother and I, we went to a, a, a nearby drive-in movie theater. We, we took a cassette recorder in with us, and we, we held up and hung, I think, on the side of the, the tinny little metal box that the movie theater had there, a microphone from the cassette recorder, and recorded the audio of the Star Wars film, which, of course, with, with the kind of audio equipment that we had and all that, um, was not was not anywhere near any kind of good quality but we just loved the movie so much we wanted to be able to play that that audio uh, whenever we could and, and imagine the scenes again and we, we had the film uh, so well memorized that you know we didn't even really need to see it just by listening to the music the sound effects the the dialogue and everything that that was in the movie going on we, we could easily imagine the scenes in our heads so uh, I want to take a little um quick break here and what I'm going to play now is I'm going to play one of the audio comments from uh, one of my listeners. Uh, this is from Kenny out in California. He's been, uh, he joined us for a, a group uh, talk show cast a few weeks back and here's his comments on Star Wars. So I'm going to play those for you right now. Hey Rico, it's Kenny from California. Just wanted to give you a few thoughts on Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. When it first came out, it was known only as Star Wars. And I can remember, I was seven years old, and sitting in the theater, watching those credits roll, and just thinking to myself, wow. I mean, it was a seven-year-old's dream come true. Aliens, spaceships, laser fights, and robots. It couldn't get any better than that. God, for months and months, I remember reenacting every scene with friends over and over again. Uh, When Darth Vader walked through that door for the first time, I mean, I just held my breath. It was just so awesome. And of course, Han Solo was was just the coolest guy in the world. Lucky for me, my dad loved Star Wars as much as I did. And he took us back uh, for a total of 14 times to see it while it was in the theaters. I collected movie cards, uh, comic books, uh, all the action figures, and played with them until they were worn out. I actually still have quite a bit of my Star Wars action figures, the original ones. What can I say? Star Wars shaped my childhood. It made me the sci-fi fantasy lover that I am today, and uh, I will always have a special place for it in my heart, and I just want to thank George Lucas for making such a wonderful movie. Um, It just lets a child's imagination soar, and uh, it'll never be the same with any other movie. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Kenny, for those great comments. Uh, yeah, I, I feel uh, feel very much the same way. You know, Star Trek was was a big thing when I was growing up for me, of course, and I've talked about that over, over over many podcasts. But Star Wars, there was just something about it, and I'm not going to get into the whole like which one's better. I, I think you can embo- excuse me enjoy both of them. Actually, almost every sci-fi fan and friend that I have enjoys both Star Trek and Star Wars. You know, for different reasons. They they both um they they both are very you know, they're very different types of uh entertainment and that still is is okay. I think that you can enjoy both of them on their own. I mean, Star Trek is kind of a little more intellectual. There's obviously a lot more Star Trek than Star Wars. There are only 6 Star Wars movies now and there's over I think 700 plus hours of, of televised Star Trek, not counting the movies. So, but they're b- both uh, both very very enjoyable. They both have that sort of hope for the future to some degree. I mean, Star Wars in a galaxy far far away, a long time ago, is is really just George Lucas's kind of neat way of making it. You know, this isn't Earth. You don't have to compare it to Earth. But these are people still, 
and they have these problems and they're fighting oppression and they're fighting evil and trying to do the right thing and it's a it's a romance too i mean there's a there's a huge romantic quality to all of the, all of the star wars films especially the original trilogy and again i want to primarily focus on the first film but it's difficult to do that without at least mentioning occasionally the the other movies but the the whole star wars saga is 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 very classic storytelling you know it's a fairy tale it's a fairy tale in space is is the way i look at it and I think that uh, that really appeals to a lot of people. And the, and the neat thing about it is, you know, you kind of grow, I guess, a little bit out of fairy tales and, and those kind of stories when you're a little bit older to to some degree. You, see, you know, there are people, and I still read science fiction and fantasy novels and dragons and knights fighting, you know, evil uh, wizards and dragons along with a, a science fiction novel that's set in the future. But um, you don't... The, the Star Wars films those kinds of things made it kind of okay again to to enjoy that kind of stuff to sort of relish in you know here here's a a young farm boy that that basically saves the galaxy and that that's that's just a great great feeling i mean everyone wanted to be luke or han or, or even princess leia and fight the bad guys fight the big guy in black you know with the breathing Luke, you know, and everything. It's just, uh, it's classic stuff, and it's it's very, very um, enjoyable, I think. Well, that that's even just, there's no really words to put into, I think, what a lot of people think about the movies, about Star Wars, and what I feel about it. But let's uh, let's go on to another comment, and then I'm going to get into to just talking about the movie in general. I have some audio, from, audio clips from the movie, but the next comment comes from another gentleman on the forums, this he goes by the handle of Sentinel, and I will play his comment now. Here you go. Hey, there we go. This is Sentinel, Man Arbor. So you're talking about Star Wars. I know there are many in your audience who are Trekkies or Trekkers or whatever they're calling themselves these days. I know that some of these people aren't big on Star Wars. They could, perhaps, be called haters. Well, to all you haters, let me tell you what Star Wars did for our world. Star Wars changed the way we live and the way we dream. It's about hope for a better future and the meaning of heroism. It taught us that we cannot let society be ruled by Fort Maine. We must stand up against the evils of militarism and racism, oppression, economic exploitation, and injustice. We have to fight for justice in this world. What is a hero but someone who contends against whatever odds? Someone who will give the last full measure of devotion for that which they believe in? My brothers and sisters, that is Star Wars. That is its impact on the world. That is what it has taught us. And we must appreciate that. Thanks uh, very much for that comment. Uh, those comments, Sentinel, John. I I really appreciate it. I I was hoping to get a few more, but I've only got the two from from some of the listeners, two audio comments. But I think they uh, I think they really speak for a lot of people and what their attitudes uh, of Star Wars. You had from Kenny, who who grew up very close to it, had similar experiences as I did, and then John Sentinel there talking about the the really the the deep meaning that I've I've kind of been talking about a little bit about Star Wars and, and fighting against evil and oppression. And, and giving that hope that that actually you know a a young farm boy in the film can make a difference can change things and do something you know there there's a and it's probably true these days maybe in a way like it was just before Star Wars came out to came out to a degree but the the world is in a an, another kind of difficult place I think these days in the economies of a lot of countries are are not doing as well as they have been. The United States, where I live, is is had some rough times over the past few years, and it's it's difficult sometimes to to see beyond that to to try to keep in mind that things can get better, that you can make a difference, you can speak out, you can you can write people, you can make uh, a podcast and talk to people out there and tell them what you think, and 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 one person can make a difference, and one person can change things, and I I don't want to get 
too far along those, you know, I mean, that's, that, that's what it's all about. And I've always kind of felt that way. I've always, even with before the films and after the films and sci-fi in general, I, it's, I don't think you can, if you lose that, you're kind of done. I mean, I don't think you can lose those kinds of feelings and, and just kind of go belly up. You know, you need to say the emperor has no clothes on sometimes you need, you need to, to make a difference, to at least try to make a difference. You know, even though Yoda says there is no try, there is only do or do not. Um, I think there, in a way, is a try. And, well, there's a try until you end up doing or do not. So uh, is that a little too far, too deep? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, but these films, and and let's, let's go kind of 180 degrees around now. You know, even if you take all of that out of there, these things are just fun films to watch. I mean, my wife uh, and other people I know that are not really into science fiction and fantasy that much, she'll still watch these movies. She'll watch these. She'll go to the the new ones when they were coming out with the prequels. And, you know, people of all ages, types, nationalities, uh, opinions and views and differences, likes, dislikes, they still like Star Wars. I mean, there, there are still, like I said earlier, there's a few people out there that are not really... They don't really, it's not their cup of tea. They're not really into it. And I can, I can respect that. That's fine. That's fine. But the vast majority of people just really find these movies a lot of fun. And they're just a huge, huge um, fun entertainment. A good two hours, you know, roughly for each one. That's a good time at the movies or on your uh, your, your big screen TV at home or whatever. Uh, it's nice these days, you know, you don't have to try to get grab audio in a drive-in movie theater to to see Star Wars again. Now we have DVDs that came out uh, a little more than a year ago of the films. I think they just re-released the DVD set again. And it, it, you can have some, some nice Star Wars viewing. Nothing like, uh, you know, was available 30 years ago. We had to wait again until uh, they re-released it in the theaters and then eventually made the, the Empire Strikes Back and, and moved on. So... Now we are going to get, uh, I'm going to play some audio from the movie just to give you another, uh, some of the, I pulled out some of the highlights. A lot of these are the classic points in the movie in the first film uh, with Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and everyone. So the, the first clip that I wanted to play is near the beginning with Darth Vader uh, interrogating one of the uh, rebel troopers uh, on the cruiser with Princess Leia that they're looking for the plans to the Death Star. So... Without any further ado, let's get into the audio from the movie, and here we go with Darth Vader. The Death Star plans are not in the main computer. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? What have you done with those plans? We intercepted no transmissions. Uh, uh, this is a consular ship. We're on a diplomatic mission. If this is a consular ship, where is the ambassador? <laughs> Commander, tear this ship apart until you found those plans and bring me the passengers. I want them alive. Okay, I've got to got to mention a few things uh, after listening to that clip. Darth Vader, you know, classic, probably at the top list of any villain of all time. Uh, I think even with the prequels, I think he's a lot more interesting of a villain now. Uh, the the outfit for Darth Vader, uh, you know, just a a great great looking you know the the guy in black he's evil of course but the the helmet that he wears the breathing uh, his voice by James Earl Jones just perfect I mean he's this huge imposing figure and he's picking up that guy and and it's just I mean when I when I first saw the film that that was an impressive sight uh, Darth Vader you just didn't know like you know who is this guy what's going on why you know, you don't know anything about him, and that, that's what adds to his mystery at that point in time, at least, I believe. Uh, the other thing on Star Wars that I had to say, which I was going to say earlier when I played that first preview clip, was was along the lines of talking about the music. You know, music uh, in Star Wars is, is such a huge, huge factor. George Lucas, I believe, has said several times that, the, you know, John Williams' music is like 90% of the Star Wars movie. I mean, he says the music just adds so much to the films that without it they're they're just not anywhere near the same and in that first preview that i played earlier you can hear that they at that time did not have any of john williams uh wonderful music in yet they had to use some uh i believe it's a classical music piece in the background of that preview 
which still gives it sort of that classical flair, which John Williams did bring to the films with his music. But the he didn't have, obviously, the final score in place at that time. But in throughout the rest of this audio and some of these other audio clips that I'm going to play from the film, you'll hear, of course, some a lot more of John Williams' music and how much it adds to the movie. And I, I really remember distinctly, you know, when Star Wars came out in 1977, it's not like it is these days with every film having a huge amount of merchandise, having CDs and coming out the day the movie's out, you know, of the soundtrack and action figures all over the place and toys and, you know, bubblegum cards and, you know, everywhere having merchandise from films. There was nothing for Star Wars. But the, one of the first things that did finally make it out during the summer, uh, I believe it finally made it out by about the middle of summer, June, July, was the soundtrack for Star Wars. It was a two-record, I believe it was two records. I still have it, I believe, somewhere. Uh, two records, not CDs. These are uh, phonograph-type records that came out uh, for the film of the music. And I remember real well I had a summer job uh, between you know, school years that, at that time and, and saving you know, some money to, to go out and buy the record for Star Wars for the music and, and just loving it so much and playing it over and over uh, listening to the music from the movie and, and then how much that music would just immediately throw you back to, to thinking about the individual scenes that the music was used in. So so it was great to at least get the soundtrack out uh, you know, relatively soon. So we're going to go on now to playing another clip. Let me look at what I've got here. The next one, I believe, is, yes, it's uh, this one, of course, is the classic uh, Princess Leia clip princess leia help me obi-wan kenobi when luke first finds the message in r2 so let's listen into that were you on a star cruiser help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope what's this what is what he asked you a question what is that help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope Oh, he says it's nothing, sir. Merely a malfunction, old data. Pay it no mind. Who is she? She's beautiful. I'm afraid. I'm not quite sure, Help sir. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think I she was a passenger help. on our last voyage. A person of some importance, as I believe. Our captain was attacked Is there any to... more to this recording? Behave yourself, Artu. You're going to get us into trouble. It's all right. You can trust him. He's our new master. He says that he is the property of Obi-Wan Kenobi, a resident of these parts, and it's a private message for him. Quite frankly, sir, I don't know what he's talking about. Our last master was Captain Antilles, but with all we've been through, this little R2 unit has become a bit eccentric. Obi-Wan Kenobi, I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. I beg your pardon, sir, but do you know what he's talking about? Well, I don't know anyone named Obi-Wan, but old Ben lives out beyond the Dune Sea. He's kind of a strange old hermit. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I wonder who she is. You're my only hope. Sounds like she's in trouble. I better play back the whole thing. Yeah, that that scene there was 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 really cool when you would first when I first saw it, I remember, because you know, that, that little hologram of Princess Leia, and you would you know, you saw at the beginning her real briefly when Darth Vader and she's captured by the stormtroopers, but you don't know a lot about her. And like, who's this Obi Wan guy, and and what's going on, and who are these droids, and and then you know Luke talks about Ben Ben Kenobi, which of course we all know now is is Obi Wan uh, hiding out on, on Tatooine. So that's uh, we we know a little bit more now, of course, than we than we knew then. I want to mention a little bit more about the music again in that scene. One of one of the things that was interesting, I remember reading um, the notes that were in the album when I got the Star Wars album and I, I believe these are still available you know the I think they're in some of the CDs but what I was going to say is that what John Williams did along the music lines that I thought was just great and I don't re- remember really recalling and I, I'm sure it's been done in other you know TV movies and things like that and, and it is still being done but he created basically a series of of themes for the different characters for Luke uh, for Princess Leia, for Yoda, for Darth Vader. And, you know, when you would see these characters, or they maybe were even just talked about, they would they would use this music. And I just thought 
that was was wonderful. I mean, I, I just thought that that was a great thing to have. It really sets the mood for the for the you know that point in the film. It really sets the mood for those characters, and it adds again so much to each of their individual characters. The music just seems to fit them so dead on. You know, Luke's is the is the Star Wars music is is sort of uplifting and hopeful, and Princess Leia is you know her theme is very romantic, and you have the you know the Darth Vader theme that's very strong and kind of powerful and 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 somewhat scary, I guess. But the, uh, you know, the the music again adds so much to the to the film that I, I can't even imagine what it would have been like with with either different music or or you know much more limited music. I, I just really really like it. It's probably one of the things that really has gotten me to enjoy uh, music more and in movie soundtracks more. Especially you know I like all kinds of movie soundtracks, but the ones that are thematic like this that uh you know with background music and not just songs being played in the movie although those can be fun sometimes too but i i really do enjoy listening to those i i find listening to uh, a lot of movie soundtracks in the background when i'm doing work or building props or or working on my computer or whatever i happen to be doing um really is enjoyable to listen to you know it's just nice to have in the background it makes your mind sort of think back to the, to the to the movie and to some of the fun parts in it and things you enjoyed, and it's not so distracting as like uh, vocal music is. So, anyway, that's enough about the music, I guess. On uh, in the movie now, we're gonna go um, another classic scene that that really had a huge uh, huge influence and impact on me along the the prop and replica collecting area is of course when. Uh, obi-wan when ben kenobi gives luke his his lightsaber which he you know he says is this is your father's lightsaber so let's listen to that clip and then i'll come back and and talk about lightsabers i have something here for you your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough but your uncle wouldn't allow it he feared you might follow old obi-wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Sure, go ahead. What is it? It's your father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. Before the Dark Times. Before the Empire. Now, I I think uh, everyone out there just about has to agree that the lightsaber is just one of the coolest, coolest things, coolest weapons or or, uh, items in a science fiction movie, to me, of all time. It is just, I mean, it has that, you know, it's, it's a sword, it's a, it's, a, it's a light weapon, it's elegant, like, like Obi-Wan says. It's, it's a civilized weapon. You know, back in the, the early days that you saw a little bit in the prequels and, the, in, and even before that, that in the history of Star Wars, you know, Jedi protected the galaxy. Jedi were always trying to defend themselves, to defend people. It's not a... And really, an attack weapon. It is a. It is basically a weapon to defend, to defend yourself, to defend whoever you happen to be protecting, and it's what the Jedi used to do. That now, this uh, with Star Wars for me at least, it got me interested in fencing, which which I did some fencing in college, which I really really loved. And the neat thing about that was after after learning a lot of that and learning some of the moves and and the stance and. And different weapon uses and and different attacks and things. I when I watch the movies now, when I watch the Star Wars films now, I can see that they are uh, the styles, and I can see the types of moves that they're doing. These things, you know, they had a. I think the guy's name was Bob Anderson, was their sword and you know stunt coordinator for the lightsaber fights in the in the early films in the first Star Wars film. And it's it's fun to see that see those. Um, different moves and abilities that they use vader a little bit uh luke more later on in especially in empire and vader and empire uh but it got me interested in that and the the other thing of course with lightsabers and that was it was a cool thing to to try to have and i can remember real distinctly trying to take a flashlight when i was uh really young and i found sort of a um 
off-white color tube. I believe they were liners for golf club bags. And I tried to uh, mount the this little sort of uh, plastic tube on the end of a flashlight and, and glued it with epoxy and, and tried to make my own little uh, homemade lightsaber at the time. Of course, now you can go to Toys R Us and, and get the, the plastic light-up ones. You can get the Force FX, which are very cool from Master Replicas, or you can get the a lot of the, the hilts themselves, of course, Master Replicas have made. And, and as you guys generally know, I've collected a lot of those and, and have a lot of those items in my uh, uh, sci-fi collection. So it was a big, big, big thing. And it was the other thing that was neat later in the other films was everyone had their own kind of individual lightsaber. You know, the Jedi would be uh, had to create their own lightsaber as part of their training at some point in time. And that uh, that was neat. So the lightsaber, awesome, awesome, coolest weapon in in the galaxy. So we're going to go on now to uh, move along a little bit more in the in the film. This is the scene when uh, Han Solo introduces himself in the cantina, and Obi Wan and, and Luke meet up with him. So we'll play that uh, now. Han Solo, I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie here tells me you're looking for passage to the Alderaan system. Yes, indeed. If it's a fast ship. Fast ship? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Should I have? It's a ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. I've outrun Imperial starships. Not the local bulk cruisers, mind you. I'm talking about the big Carillion ships now. She's fast enough for you, old man. What's the cargo? Only passengers. Myself, the boy... Two droids, and no questions asked. What is it, some kind of local trouble? Let's just say we'd like to avoid any imperial entanglements. Yes, now, so we have Harrison Ford as Han Solo, uh, the coolest smuggler gambler in, again in the galaxy. He's uh, He just fit this part real, real, real well, uh, perfectly. Some of you probably know and have seen uh, on, on videos and behind the scenes and in different shows that they've done about Star Wars, that there were other people that were, you know, possibilities for all of the cast, for Luke, for Han, for Leia. But he ended up, you know, George Lucas, for whatever, you know, everyone will talk about, you know, maybe his, you know, his writing and dialogue abilities in, in some of the prequels, especially, and, you know, his his direct directorial, you know, take a lot of that. I mean, I, they're his films, so... We won't talk about that too much, but what I was going to say is is one thing George Lucas, and it, this is shown in American Graffiti, in other films that he's done, and in the Star Wars films uh, really, really well, is George Lucas has an uncanny ability to put the right people together in the right roles. I mean, he, is, he, he could have been basically a casting agent. I mean, he just picked perfect... Uh, group of people and what he did i think from you know from everything that i've read and heard and seen you know he was looking for different characters different people for these roles but then the, the the trick for him at least was how they worked all together how they looked all together how they acted together and, and you know harrison carrie and, and and mark hamill you know they they as a team were just were just unstoppable i mean it was just you can't even imagine these days anyone else in those roles uh, I mean, it's funny to look back on some of the early footage. There are audition tapes out there with other people playing these, um, you know, reading the lines in the script and, and trying out for the roles. And, and, you know, a lot of it has to do with we've sat with Star Wars for 30 years and are used to these particular actors in these parts. So your your mind is kind of focused in on that. But I don't know. I still think at the time, they, they seemed to, even when I first remember seeing the film for the first few times, they seem to fit their characters just perfectly, and and you know the character of Luke was a takeoff on on George Lucas's name. I know he uh, originally was always saying in interviews when the when the first films were coming out that that he identified probably most strongly with Luke. You know George Lucas grew up in a small town in California, and his father, you know his George Lucas trying to get into films and, and his interest in films, you know his father was 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 not really behind that and you have that sort of same situation in the movie with luke and his uncle not really being you know in favor of him going running off with obi-wan and all that stuff so there's there's a lot of the in the film there there are things in there and luke's character especially that 
uh, George Lucas brought into it from his own uh, his own life. So now we're going to get on in the in the film a little bit. I want to play another clip. I can see where uh, I could probably talk about, frankly, Star Wars for for two or three podcasts in length. But I'm going to try to keep it to one for at least the uh, the first film. So the next scene or the next clip I'm going to play is when the uh, Han and uh, Luke uh, rescue Princess Leia from the detention block. So listen to this. Can't get out that way. Looks like you managed to cut off our only escape route. Maybe you'd like it back in your cell, your highness. C-3PO, C-3PO! Are there any other ways out of the cell, bay? We've been cut off! What was that? I didn't copy! I said all systems have been alerted to your presence, sir. The main entrance seems to be the only way in or out. All other information on your level is restricted. Open up in there. Open up in there. Oh, no. There isn't any other way out! I can't hold off forever! Now what? This is not rescue! When you came in here, did you have a plan for getting out? He's the brakes, sweetheart! Well, I didn't... What the hell are you doing? Somebody has to save our skins. Into the garbage, you flyboy! Yeah, the uh, there's a there's a history of uh, you know Harrison Ford. Uh, he always uh, has commented in the past that uh, the dialogue in the Star Wars films was his comment was always something like this: "It was you, you, you know George, you can write this dialogue, but you can't really say it." But I still think it comes off pretty well. I mean that scene, you know, into the garbage chute, flyboy. I mean, I mean that's it's just cool. It's just fun dialogue. It, it's. It fits. It fits the scene. It fits the characters, and it fits the film. So that that's what's important. Now, when you uh, you take it out of context, it maybe sounds a little bit strange and a little, you know, almost a, like a joke or humorous. But in Star Wars, it works. Uh, the uh, the thing I wanted to mention a little bit about that clip and in general in the movie, you know, the character of Princess Leia, as played by Carrie Fish, Carrie Fisher, is is very different for a. Uh, uh, sort of a space fantasy sci-fi-ish type film. Like I said earlier in the podcast, you know, th- this this movie was completely different, came out of left field to some degree, and you didn't really have, you know, the women in these types of films, which there weren't a lot of, but I mean, in, you know, back in the Flash Gordon days and the 50s science fiction films, they were always the damsel in distress. And yeah, they're rescuing, you know, Princess Leia in that scene, but she's no damsel in distress. She can take care of herself. She can blast with a with a stormtrooper rifle, just like the rest of them. I mean, she's uh, she's a very strong-willed ambassador. She's she's a princess, but she's not. Oh, save me, Luke! Save me, Han! She can take care of herself, and that's that's important. And I think uh, you know George Lucas was very, um, you know, he knew what he was doing when he created these characters to not make them just, you know, a damsel in distress that she could take care of herself. And, and I think that's great. And it gave a, you know, it's a, it's a nice role model for, for women and girls and, you know, females of whatever to, to watch this movie. And, you know, they've got princess Leia there and she's, she's taking care of herself. She's taking care of business. So, and she gets them out of a tight spot there and, and she does it again. So that's, that's great. So the, the next clip, this is near the end of the Death Star area and, and part of the movie. This is, of course, the classic confrontation when, when Obi-Wan meets back up again with, with Darth. And I'll play that for you now. I've been waiting for you, Obi-Wan. We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Only a master of evil, Darth. <laughs> Your powers are weak, old man. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Yeah, that that line was always something that was analyzed forever, and we we know, I guess, a little bit more now what that line means. Of if you strike me down, I should become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. 
but it's uh it's just it was the neat thing about the first star wars film is that there are a lot of things in the movie like that things you don't quite understand that you're wondering well what does that mean what's the force what's the you know what, what does this strike me down thing you strike me down i'll be dead right no and there's just a lot of that mystery involved and i think i think one of the slight you know i'll just throw in here one of the slight things about the prequels that that kind of maybe you know it's something that people have said and i've even said it a couple of times it it took a little of the aura and the mystery of star wars away you know they tried to explain the force more they they, they tried to maybe put everything a little bit too much in a neat little package and and i i kind of like not knowing some things i kind of i don't need all the answers i i like to try to imagine or figure out what what these things mean and what what was going on and Sometimes it's just nice to sit back and, and not be told every little thing in a film or a, or a TV show or a book you might be reading. So, The last major clip I think I'm just going to play here. This one's a, a little bit lengthy, but I felt like it, it was fitting to play uh, near the end of our discussion on, on the film is, of course, the the Death Star Trench run with, with Luke uh, trying to finish things off. And this is a couple minutes long, so uh, we'll listen together and have Luke... Uh, attempt and hopefully take out the Death Star. Use the force, Luke. Let go, Luke. The force is strong in this one. Luke, trust me. His computer's on. Luke, you switched off your targeting computer. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm all right. When ready. Command is primary ignition. Yep, so there we have it. The the first Star Wars film, Luke triumphs in the end, destroys the Death Star, gets a medal, and and you leave that movie just feeling great. Every time I've seen it, every time I saw it in the theater, every time I watched it on DVD at home, even now, 30 years later, you, you can't, uh, can't watch that film and two hours later not feel really good. It's a great, great movie. Uh, one of my favorites, of course, of all time. And I hope uh, you've enjoyed this look back at it. I'm going to take a quick little break here, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to talk real quickly about a replica, a lightsaber, of course. And then I am going to reveal uh, our first contest for the podcast. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. Uh, real quickly now, I want to talk about a uh, replica lightsaber, one of the first real official replica lightsabers that I got uh, ever in my collection. This was made by a company several years ago called Icons. This was the company that made was making prop replicas for Star Wars before Master Replicas got a hold of the license and did and is doing a much better job of it. 
Now, uh, I will link, of course, in the podcast notes pictures to this uh, Icons made lightsaber. This is the uh, this is the lightsaber that Luke uh, first gets from Obi Wan in the first Star Wars film, of course. Now, uh, people that are real careful and notice that the the lightsaber that that Obi Wan picks up from Anakin uh, at the end of the Revenge of the Sith film isn't quite looking the same as the one he gives to Luke in Episode Four, you know, A New Hope. But, of course, you know, maybe Obi-Wan changed it a little bit over the years sitting on Tatooine. Uh, doesn't make a whole lot of difference right now. They're very similar. They're based on the, a Grayflex, uh, Grayflex flash tube that was used on old 4x5 cameras that was available, and they modified it a little bit, put grips on it, and it made a real cool uh, hilt for the lightsaber that they used in the films for, for Luke's lightsaber. Now, Icons made uh, didn't make a lot of these, uh, I think it's, yeah, 10,000, uh, at least on the edition size, but I'm not really even sure if they really finally made 10,000 of them. But it's it's a metal body construction. It has uh, hard plastic grips on it, and they're, you know, I guess relatively hard to find these days. They don't turn up on eBay and those kind of places very much. But it, it's it's very cool, and it, it's pretty authentic. They did a pretty good job, I and, mean, you know, it's pretty accurate to what you see in the movie. And uh, I really like having it in my collection. It, it adds, uh, you know, a lot. I, it, I think Luke's lightsaber was, to me, always one of my favorites, especially since it's the first one you get a really good look at in the Star Wars movies. You know, Obi-Wan has one also, but you don't really see Obi-Wan's very carefully. Uh, maybe just uh, when Darth Vader takes him down and on the Death Star, but... But this is uh, Luke's version, and I will link up some pictures in the in the podcast notes for you to take a little, little better look at it. Probably better to look at it than really me talk about it too much. And it's uh, it's a real nice, real nice piece. The uh, the last thing I want to talk about quickly on this show, I had promised last week that I'm going to do a contest for the podcast, and I am. Now I had uh, a few ideas for questions, and it's kind of be you know like a lot of shows maybe do, kind of a trivia based. Uh, contest but I I was having a hard time coming up with a good Star Wars trivia based question I mean Star Wars has been analyzed and looked at so many times I wanted something a little bit different and uh, since I do Star Trek a lot on this show this this trivia question for this contest is going to be Star Trek related but before I get to the question let me say I found in in my collection I have uh, what you'll win the winner of this contest is going to just win a um, a Star Wars action figure. It's in, uh, you know, it's a typical Hasbro Star Wars action action figure. I think this one out came out a few years ago. It's from uh, the Power of the Jedi series. It's a action figure of a sand trooper. Uh, how they looked on Tatooine, you know, with sort of a dirty looking armor and all that. I'll, I'll I'll take a picture of it and put it in the podcast notes section for the contest. But it's just one action figure. I will I'll ship it to you if you get the answer to this. And the, the way I'm going to do this is for the next uh, week before next week's podcast. Hopefully, someone will get the answer to this question. But um, my uh, my idea is is that if I get more than one correct uh, answer to the question, I will randomly select. I'll put names of the of the correct uh, answerers of the of the question. And I'll have uh, my wife pick out the the correct uh, or one of the winners of this, I should say. you got to get the the trivia correct, the answer correct. Send me an email at treksf at gmail.com. And then, uh, like I said, if I have multiples in the next week before next week's podcast, the weekend show, I will uh, randomly select one uh, prior to the show, just prior to the show. So you have till basically, we'll call it next Saturday night, which will be... Uh, February the 18th, uh, if I show up, I'll, I'll be looking at my Gmail account, uh, Sunday morning and those that have the correct answer, those are, that's the, the ones I'm going to pick, uh, pick one of those as the winner. So here's the question without any further ado to win the cool sand trooper action figure. And I'll even autograph the back of it if you'd like, but you know, that's completely up to you. The, uh, the question is, uh, this is a Star Trek related question. I want you to tell me uh, on an email what uh, these three people have in common. And I and the answer is not just Star Trek. The three people that I want to know what they have in common are Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, James Doohan, Scotty on the original series of Star Trek, 
and Michael Dorn, who played Worf on TNG and Deep Space Nine. I want to know what Michael Dorn, James Doohan, and Gene Roddenberry had in common. And the answer, like I said, is not just that they all worked on Star Trek. That's not the answer. So you got to tell me what those three people, and, and the other answer is that they're not all guys. Yeah, they're all guys, of course. It's not simple things like that. It's not Star Trek. It's not that they're all guys. But I want to know what, what those three guys had in common. Send me an email at treksf at gmail.com with your answer. And like I said, even if you think many people will have the correct answer, and I'm hoping at least somebody does have the correct answer, I'm looking for one specific thing that I will randomly, again, pick the uh, the correct winner, and I will then. Once I do that, I'll announce it on next week's show, and I will ship off your action figure. So if you're interested in the contest and the action figure, or just want to answer it anyway, and uh, just send me an email. So I think that's it, guys, gals, ladies, gentlemen, for this week's uh, Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. I had a real fun time doing uh, a show a little bit that's a little different. Talked about Star Wars, one of my favorite film series of all time, and the first movie is just classic. And hey, make some popcorn tonight and watch the movie again, or go rent it if you don't have it in your collection. If you don't have it in your collection, what are you doing listening to this podcast anyway? So that's about it. Uh, hope everyone has a great week this week. Stay warm if you're in a cold zone. Stay cool if you're in a hot zone. Um, that's about it, gang. This is Rico signing off for the week. Have a good one. I'll talk to you again with a little mini show probably midweek and then the full podcast with the contest winner next weekend. Bye-bye for now. May the Force be with you. This has been a Rick Dosti podcast production. <laughs>